we only have what we remember. Tears of pain and tears of joy. That's what Ash Wednesday is all about. Ash Wednesday is this time in church history and this day that the church has kind of set aside to uh, begin to look forward to Easter, to look forward to resurrection. And so uh, as we look forward to Easter together, uh, today begins the season of Lent. And when you go back in church history, starting back about the 500s, the church began celebrating this thing called Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday is, has had lots of different traditions, and they've kind of morphed over the last thousand or so years. Uh, but one thing is held in common throughout history, what's happened on Ash Wednesday. Uh, it's a time that the church is set apart to be able to first look deep inside ourselves, to be honest with ourselves, maybe for the first time, to look at ourselves and, and say, I am a broken human. And in my brokenness, I need, I have this deep need for God to come and be a part of my life. But it's also a time that the church has, has looked beyond themselves and said, I don't, I'm not just broken, but I live in a very broken world that is desperately in need of Christ. And so Ash Wednesday begins the season of, of first this deep look inside of ourselves to be honest with ourselves, but it's also this chance to look at the world around us and say, our world is deeply in need of Christ and the resurrection that Christ offers. And so Ash Wednesday is, is the solemn holiday because it involves ashes and it involves our brokenness and it involves looking forward to the cross. But it's also this holiday that we begin to look forward to the hope that resurrection offers, the hope that Easter offers. Before we get into uh, the message today, would you close your eyes and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for how much you love us. That you sent your Son who left heaven to come and be with us. God, I thank you for days like today where we're able to, to stop and to pause and to remind ourselves of all that you have done for us and all that you desire to do in us. And so this evening we ask that you would help us to open our hearts and our minds to you and what you desire to do in us. We pray that you would give us the strength to trust you that you would give us the courage to believe the things you say about yourself and the things that you've done. And that today we would be changed again and again by the work that you've already done on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Ash Wednesday really starts at the beginning of all things. It starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 2. Maybe you remember the creation story. Uh, God creates the world in six days, and on the seventh, he rests. But on day six, when God creates man, uh, we get a glimpse in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, of what this creation is made out of. So if you have a Bible or you have a smartphone, you can follow along. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. At the beginning of all things, and this is what it says. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and man became a living being. And after this, we remember in the story, God gives everything to man. He says, there's nothing out of your reach except this one thing. There's this one tree you can't eat of. But Adam and Eve eat of the tree. And so we're introduced all of a sudden to the story that's suddenly falling apart. And in Genesis chapter 3, just one chapter later, the fall happens. And then God says something similar to Adam, but this time dealing with his punishment for eating the, the, of the tree. In Genesis 3:19, he says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken... For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Solomon says something similar later in Ecclesiastes where he says, You are all from the dust, and to the dust you will return. Ash Wednesday leads us first to here, to dust. To dust. It seems kind of like a gloomy day in the church that's filled with hope to spend a day talking about dust and ashes. But I think dust and ashes give us perspective they, they help to form uh, kind of this perspective about what life should be shaped by and, and be really all about. And so dust gives us perspective. I think first, that helps us realize that uh, we are fragile, frail human beings. I mean, when, when we read the news and we, we look around us, it's easy to see that humanity is this broken, fragile thing. That one minute it's there and the next life is gone. We're dust. It's also helpful to remember, it gives us perspective because it reminds us that we're not invincible. That I actually can get sick and things can go wrong and I can get hit by a car and, and I'm gone. That dust reminds us that life is this fragile thing, that we're not invincible, that I don't have forever. But it also reminds us that today, not tomorrow, not the next day, but today, Again and again, Scripture reminds us that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of hope. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but it's, it's right now because you don't know what tomorrow brings. Dust. Dust and ashes. It's the reason for thousands of years Christ's followers have come to a church on a Wednesday in the middle of the week at the beginning of Lent to have a priest or a pastor put ashes on their forehead and say to them, Remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. It's why David, in Psalm 144, uh, verse 4, writes this, Man is like a breath, like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. James writes that our life is like a mist. One of the other psalm, psalmists writes that we're like a dew in the morning, that as soon as the sun comes up, we fade away. Another writer in the Bible, calls us wind. That we're here one moment and gone the next. Dust. One of my favorite poets is, is this guy by the name of John Don, and he actually used to sleep in a coffin, which is weird. Um, it's a weird thing to do, and, and he writes in some of his journals that he used to sleep in a coffin to remind him every day that he was going to die. I, I'm not telling you to go home and get a coffin and sleep in it, but but I think there's something to this idea that, like, death is this thing that's almost chasing after us. There's this, we're, we're dust, we're, we're gonna die. But, in the midst of this idea of dust, why 
get ashes on our forehead? Why have this day set aside to, to come and remind us that we're just dust? I think it's maybe for two reasons. One, I think, is, is dust reminds us not to waste our days. Not to waste our days on, on practices that really, in the end, are meaningless. It's why uh, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lives, who says, you're just dust, says, all of this, all these pursuits that I've made in my life have been meaningless. So don't waste your days. It's why this season of Lent that begins tonight is the season where we start to say no to things, is saying no to the things that, that maybe have held us back from God before, these things that can become distractions from our relationships with God. It's why fasting is this practice to draw us closer to God because it's saying no to certain things so that we can start to say yes to other things. So Lent is the season that begins tonight that tells us, don't waste your days. Don't waste your days. But it's also a reminder to us that that we're not God. Getting ashes put on your forehead and someone telling you that you're dust is this reminder to us that you're not God and you're going to die one day. And that can be either this sobering thing that we just kind of say, well, I guess life is meaningless, or it can be this great invitation for us. If I'm not God, I can stop pretending like I am and stop living like I think I am. And so there's this invitation in these ashes to say, I'm no longer going to waste my days on meaningless suits, but I'm going to actually live for things that matter, and I'm going to stop pretending that I'm God. About uh, almost three years ago now, uh, Jen and I found out, uh, my wife Jen and I found out that uh, we were pregnant. And uh, it was in February, so it was right around this time of year. Uh, And when we found out, uh, we were really excited, and so the first thing you do when you find out that you're going to have a baby is like you start looking for names because you have nine months to do that. And so we started this process of looking for names and, and thinking through like what we would call our child. And uh, about eight weeks into the pregnancy, uh, we had to go to the emergency room, and my wife had a miscarriage. And uh, for two days, like we had to wait for them to tell us that she had a miscarriage. So, so on. On, on this Tuesday, we go to the emergency room, and, and they're like, we don't know what's happening. So they take some blood tests, and they're like, we'll get back to you, but you have to wait for two days. So for two days, you wait in this mess of a thing where they're like, maybe you're having a baby, but we don't want to get your hopes up. So it's like life is almost there, but not fully. And so for two days, we wait, and... Uh, waiting to find out if your kid is alive or dead is like, you don't know what to do because you, you can't make decisions. You can't come up with names anymore. You, you can't plan their future anymore. You're just left to wait and to find out. And so we went back to uh, the doctor two days later and they took the test and, and the blood test. And they're like, yeah, your hormone levels are down. That means the baby is dying. And, and I remember thinking when this was all happening, like, where is God in all of this death? Like, where, where, where is God in all of this? And um, it was during that time that the pastor who we were working with at the time at the church in, in Pittsburgh, he, he came to the hospital and uh, he sat down beside us and he said, 
there's no good answers for any of this. There's, there's nothing that I can say that can ease your pain or the difficulty that you find yourself in at this moment. But all I can tell you is God designed your body this way. He, he, from the beginning of time, he knew that this was going to happen. We're dust. We're dust. We're dust. The word dust in Hebrew comes from uh, a Hebrew word that actually doesn't just mean dust. It's a word that means like clay and ashes. The word dust, the word that God says that he formed man from the dust is the same word that, that we get the word ashes. And so sometimes in, in some translations, you'll actually find the word ashes and dust interchanged. And so there's moments where like it's as if dust and ashes are intertwined. We know that from the beginning of the story of mankind that sin leads to death, to dust and to ashes. And, and this is the story that most of us live our lives in, uh, in, in sin leading to death. But in the story of God's people, all of a sudden the prophets pick up back on the story of dust, this idea of dust and ashes. In Isaiah 61, which is an amazing chapter that really begins to describe the work that Jesus would do and, and how he would change things forever, he, Isaiah picks back up on this idea of dust, and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from the darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, they will re- rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the, p- the places of, that are long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work in your fields and vineyards. And you, you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. Isaiah is convinced that in the midst of this brokenness, in the midst of this ashes and dust, that this Jesus that's coming is going to change everything. That in the midst of it, instead of ashes and death, there's beauty. Instead of of brokenness, he all of a sudden starts to release those that are prisoner. He starts to heal the brokenhearted. What what he says is happening is, is people who shouldn't be priests, people who are sinners and broken people, become priests and ministers of God. So Isaiah's vision is that in the midst of this dust and ashes, that God is going to do something that's never been done before. That he's going to take something that's dying and broken, and he's going to give it life again. Shortly after we found out about uh, the miscarriage, uh, we realized that uh, like the road to becoming pregnant again is like a long one. It's not always like you have a baby right away. And so for seven months, we tried to uh, have another baby. And 
And we finally got pregnant, and the day we found out was the due date of the baby we lost. And um, I'm not, like, huge on coincidences, but there's something that happens when you're like, like, there's God in that, too. Like, when you can miss God in death and not understand what's going on, there's something that happens when you see life bursting forth in the midst of brokenness and despair. And so it was this moment for, for me where I was able to say, like, like in the midst of something that was broken, in the midst of everything that looked like death, God still can show up and give new life. In the midst of, of what seems like we're falling apart, God shows up. And so ashes on our forehead remind us that God is in the business of resurrection. So ashes on our forehead don't just remind us that we're mortal and that, that we need this God, but it reminds us that this God, the God that we come here to say that he dies on a cross, didn't just die on a cross, but three days later he beat death and he beat sin. And so ashes on our forehead remind us that God has always been in the business of taking things that are broken, things that, that are falling apart, and giving them new life. And so these ashes on our forehead aren't just symbols of our mortality, but they're symbols of hope. They're symbols of, of this belief that we believe this God who created the universe desires to work deep in our hearts and give us new life. So, so why ashes? I think ashes remind us of the cross. They bring us back to the cross and remind us to embrace what Jesus did on the cross. And they remind us to live in the empty tomb. Live reminded that Jesus didn't just die on a cross, but three days later he rises from the dead for us and in us and for our lives. So, Ash Wednesday. It's not simply about remembering we're going to die or that we're broken, sinful people. But it's this reminder for us to come back to the cross, to the tomb. And so it begins a season, these 40 days of Lent, of looking back to the cross again in our lives and looking forward to the resurrection and saying, the Jesus who dies on the cross and who rises from the dead three days later can be present in my life and can, can work in the midst of my brokenness and in my sin so that I can find new life and I can find healing and I can find hope and I can find a new tomorrow. And so, why ashes? Why today? If I could summarize all of this, I would say it's for a few things. It's first for us to remember. Ashes are for us to remember that we're broken people, but also to remember that Jesus is the one who gives us new life. Right now. Right now. It's to remember, it's to look forward to the day when our entire world is caught up in the resurrection of what Jesus can do. And it's to give thanks. And so we get ashes on a day like today because we choose to remember. We choose to look forward and we choose to give thanks. At this time, uh, if the band wants to come up, uh, we're going to... Actually, for, for most of us, it's probably a new thing that we haven't done unless you grew up in a tradition that, that actually celebrates Ash Wednesday. I know for me, the first time that, that I was a part of an Ash Wednesday service, I had no idea what was going on. And so we don't really want that to happen for you. Uh, so our hope is I'm going to give you some directions and explain some of those things. And maybe tonight you've 
learn some of the significance of what can happen uh, in, a, in this experience of Act Wednesday. But the band's going to play, uh, and I'm going to invite you to kind of come up the two aisles. We're going to kind of split you down the middle. Uh, and so if you're on this side of the room, uh, we're going to come up this aisle, and you can head out uh, through the hallway. And if you're coming on this side, you can do the same thing. You can go out the hallway. It's really easy. So nobody will get really confused. We'll start from the front and go towards the back. Um, but as you come forward, uh, you can either have uh, Aaron or I put ashes on your forehead or on the back of your hand. It's really up to you. There's no, like, rule about that here. You can, whatever you feel comfortable doing, you can leave it or you can wash it off. Um, as the band plays tonight, they're going to be singing Psalm 51, uh, which is traditionally a psalm that during um, Ash Wednesday is a psalm that reminds us both that God's not looking for uh, anything from us except for a broken heart that says, God, I need you. And so the attitude of Ash Wednesday is this invitation for us to say, God, I need you. I need you right now in my life to forgive me of my sin, to forgive me of my, of my doubts and my fears and help me to embrace the life that you desire for us. As you come up, uh, Aaron and I will stand at the front and just so you know, so no surprises, we'll look you in the eyes and we'll say to you, remember that you are dust dust you return we invite you then to return to your seats and we'll sing together and then we'll close together in prayer so uh, we're going to start and uh, we'll be at either ends of the aisles and we'd love for you to come and celebrate with us